The reading this morning is Luke chapter 6, verses 27 to 42. I will be reading from the New International Version. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who ill-treat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. He also told them this parable. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into a pit? The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Thanks, Steve. Let's pray together. Father God, as we open up this incredibly challenging part of Scripture, I want to pray for each and every one of us. I pray, Father God, above everything today, we hear your voice. I pray, Father God, we hear the gentle encouragement of the Holy Spirit leading us and guiding us. And Lord, today I pray for healing in people's lives where they have been hurt. We pray, Father God, that this will be a significant moment today. Bring your freedom, the freedom that only you can give. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Well, as we open up this passage together today in Luke chapter 6, I want us to spend some time together focusing on what I have called the hardest commandment. I believe what we're reading together today is probably the hardest thing that we're called to do in Scripture. The call for each and every one of us to love our enemies, to bless those who curse us, to do good to those who have mistreated us and have hurt us. And to help us think about this a little bit more, I want to start off by telling you a story. It's a story of a remarkable lady who you may well have heard of, you may well have read about yourself at some point in the past, a lady called Corrie Ten Boom. Corrie and her family were imprisoned by the Nazis during World War II. Their crime was that they hid Jews and helped them remain safe. Corrie's family would end up dying at the hand of the Nazis in prison, but Corrie survived. And after the war, while speaking at a church, she ran into one of the perpetrators who had committed these crimes against her. And she wrote this. It was at a church service in Munich that I saw him. A former SS man who had stood guard at the shower room door in the processing centre at Ravensbrück. He was the first of our actual jailers that I had seen since that time. And suddenly it was all there. The room full of mocking men, the heaps of clothing, my sister Betsy's pain-blanched face. He came up to me as the church was emptying, beaming and bowing. How grateful I am for your message, Fraulein, he said. To think that, as you say, he has washed all of our sins away. His hand was thrust out to shake mine. And I, who had preached so often to the people in Blumendahl, the need to forgive, kept my hand by my side. Even as the angry, vengeful thoughts boiled through me, I saw the sin in them. Jesus Christ had died for this man. Was I going to ask for more? Lord Jesus, I prayed, forgive me and help me to forgive him. I tried to smile. I struggled to raise my hand, but I could not. I felt nothing, not the slightest spark of warmth or charity. And so I breathed a silent prayer again. Jesus, I prayed, I cannot forgive him. Give me your forgiveness. And as I took his hand, the most incredible thing happened. From my shoulder all the way along my arm, through my hand, a current seemed to pass from me to him while into my heart sprang a love for this stranger which almost overwhelmed me. And so I discovered that it is not on our forgiveness any more than on our goodness that the world's healing hinges, but on his. When he tells us to love our enemies, he gives, along with the command, to love itself. As we kick off this message together today, I want to make a few assumptions based upon my own experiences in life. You may not have been through anything like what Corrie Tamboon experienced all of those years ago, but if you have been alive for any length of time, I can pretty much guarantee that at some point someone has hurt you. Either in words, either in deeds, either in some sinister action or by speaking stuff over you, you have been mistreated and you have felt the pain of the things that humans can do to you. I haven't ever experienced anything like what 
Corrie ten Boone experience all of those years ago at the hand of some wicked, wicked people. But there have been times in my life where people have hurt me, where I have been mistreated and unjustly and unfairly treated. There have been times in my life where people have said things either about me or to my face which have been spiteful and hurtful. And I'm guessing you have been through very similar things at times in your life too. And at best, looking at my own life, my natural reaction at best seems to say, that's it, I'm out, I want nothing more to do with you, I can't do anything, I can't see your face anymore, we are done, we're over, let's just part ways. At worst, I want revenge for the hurt which has been caused to me. And as we unpack what I have already said is probably one of the hardest commands in Scripture, my prayer for each and every one of us today is that the Holy Spirit will begin to bring people to mind for us, that he wants us to show radical love, grace, and forgiveness to. And as a result, to experience the healing power that only Jesus can bring in our life. We're focusing on a piece of scripture today, which is known as the Sermon on the Plain, where Jesus gives a series of commandments about how and what it looks like to be a true follower of him. This sermon has striking similarities to what is known as the Sermon on the Mount, which can be found in the book of Matthew. In fact, some scholars have said this is just Matthew and Luke's kind of recollection of the same event. But I think when we put these two sermons side by side together, there's enough evidence to suggest that these are in fact two different sermons given at two different times to two different audiences. Whatever the case though, however, the thrust of it is the same. That as followers of Christ, you and I are called to a different standard of living, to a higher standard of living, not because we're morally superior to anyone else, but it's in grasping the teachings of Christ that we ultimately find freedom in our lives. I wonder if there's anyone who is in need of some freedom today. You see, unforgiveness, bitterness, hatred is like a disease. It gradually eats away at you. All the time, the object of your hatred, the object of the person who has hurt you, is probably blissfully unaware that they've done anything to do to, towards you, and they don't know the pain that you are suffering. And to understand, I believe, the nature of what Jesus is getting at here, we need to understand a little bit about the context in which he is speaking into. You see, if we were to flip to the Old Testament, when we're talking about enemies or people that have hurt us or people that have done wrong towards us, we'll read words like this, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. And in many respects, you could look at the Old Testament and think, well, that seems a little bit harsh. That seems a little bit vindictive. It doesn't sound like the God that I worship. It seems to go totally and utterly against his character. But when we look at the Hebrew scriptures from the Old Testament, what we see is they're not there to encourage violence, but they're there to limit violence. In other words, if someone slaps you around the face, you can slap them back, but no more. That's it. That's as far as you go. The scriptures in the Old Testament were designed to stop situations getting out of control. They were designed to give a fair and just punishment in that particular circumstance. But here, Jesus places a new standard on things. You see, the old way of doing things might have brought a momentary relief. It might have brought feelings of 
uh, of just being justified in the short term. But once the adrenaline had died down, once the dust had settled, those old thoughts, those old feelings, those old emotions of hatred, of bitterness, of anger would begin to surface again. And Jesus here calls us to a different way, which is a radically countercultural way of living. When the world shouts, don't get mad, get even, Jesus says, I'm calling you to a higher way. It's a harder way for sure, but in reality, it's the only way which will set you free. I'm calling you to love your enemies, to do good to those who hate you, to bless those who curse you, and to pray for those who mistreat you. And it's this teaching this morning that I want to break down and ask the question, what does this really look like in practice? Because as I've said, I believe that there are some people who are watching this right now who God wants to set free from some hurts and some pains, either in the recent past or the distant past that you're carrying and you're holding on to. And you can identify with the fact that it feels like a little bit of a disease, that it's gradually eating away at you and making you less and less the person that you know Jesus is calling you to be. And to some extent, you know, I believe that this message today applies to each and every one of us because we all encounter difficult people in life, don't we? We all encounter people who maybe on a very limited level just simply rub us up the wrong way. We all encounter people who we struggle with. Coronavirus has brought that to the surface even more, hasn't it? Because our thoughts and our feelings and our emotions are all over the place. So maybe things pre-virus, which didn't really wind us up, are getting to us now and are, are making us angry right now. And we're struggling with feelings about people right now because of the season that we're in. So what is it exactly that Jesus means when he says, love your enemies, do good to those who hurt you, and how does this apply to our lives? Because I genuinely believe that it's in applying this teaching, we begin to become his true disciples. And the first thing I believe that Jesus wants us to see this morning about being a true disciple of him is simple. Every single one of us is simply called to love our enemies. And notice that Jesus starts this teaching by saying, but I say to those who hear. How many of you know, I wonder today, that you can hear something without really hearing it? It happens all the time in my house. I'll be distracted by something and Gemma will start talking to me and she'll be telling me something that she wants me to do. And I'll be nodding along and I'll be saying, yeah, that's fine. Absolutely, I agree. And we'll get to the end of the conversation and I'll think to myself, I haven't got a clue what you have just said to me. I mean, in fairness to me, it's usually because Gemma starts a conversation at a ridiculous time, like when I'm watching football on the telly or I'm playing on the PlayStation. You know, I can't be expected, surely, to be able to answer in those situations and circumstances. I wonder if anyone else can relate to this this morning. I wonder. You can hear something without hearing it. It's nice to see that those are in the room. There's a few hands going up here in the room this morning. I'm not the only one who finds myself in this particular situation. But what Jesus, I believe, is getting at here this morning is the teaching that he is projecting and giving today is so hard that people will hear it and they'll just switch off. They'll say, you know what, this is too hard for me to even comprehend, so I'm not going to listen. What we're talking about here is a love 
which is radical. The New Testament uses several different words when we're describing love. We only have one word in our English language, really, that describes love, but the Greek uh, language had a number of different words which helped us understand what Jesus was really getting at. We can read in the New Testament the word storge, which talks about kind of natural affection, maybe the kind of affection you might have towards an animal. There's the word eros, which denotes a, a romantic kind of love. And then there's the word agape, which denotes an unconditional love. It's the highest and it's the most pure form of love that you could have. It's the same word which we read in the book of John chapter 3 and verse 16, where we see, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And it's in this context here that Jesus is speaking about love and how we should be towards our enemies and those who have hurt us. How does God love? The Bible tells us that whilst we were still enemies of God, Christ died for us. You know, it's not enough to say, I am going to refrain from retaliating against those who have hurt me. It's not enough to say, I'm just going to ignore the situation and pretend that it didn't happen. I'm just going to sweep it under the carpet and pretend it's not there and carry on living my life as I always have. If you want to experience true freedom, from the pain, from the hurt, from the anguish, from your hang-ups. It means actively choosing to love those people who have done wrong to you. It's really what Paul was getting at in Romans 12 and verse 17 when he said this, Repay no one evil for evil. If it is possible, as much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Beloved, do not avenge yourself, but rather give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine and I will repay, says the Lord. Therefore, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. Do not overcome evil but over, uh, with evil, but overcome evil with goods. That's a lovely sentiment, Luke, I hear you say. I wish I could live like that, but the reality of what you're talking about is just not practical. The feelings that I have right now towards someone are just too strong. The emotions that I'm feeling right now, I just can't overcome. So there is no way that I could love those who have hurt me. And you know, this morning I want to say to you, if you're feeling like that, I hear you. I don't know what it is that, and who it is that has hurt you. I don't know the situations that you have been through. And the last thing that I want to do today is to play down your pain and to pretend it's not there. But one thing that I do know this morning is this. We may not be able to change situations. We may not be able to change the things that we have been through. We may not be able to change what people have done to us. But our response in the midst of it is our responsibility. Let me say that again, because we need to hear this, I think. We may not be able to change what people have done to us and how people have hurt us, but our response in the midst of it is our responsibility. You know, when someone hurts you, there are two ways to respond. You can either get bitter or you can get better. And it's in exhorting us to love our enemies Jesus helps us to get better. And not only that, he gives us three practical ways to do it. He says, do good to those who hate you. 
In other words, in the midst of your hatred, your anger, your bitterness towards a certain person, demonstrate something of the love of God in a practical way. He says, bless those who curse you. The word curse here means uh, for someone to speak evil over someone, to slander them or to malign their name. We're called to speak a good word over someone who has no good word to say about us. I wonder who God is calling you to bless right now, who maybe you have been cursing up until this point. The third practical outworking of this love is that we're called to pray for people who mistreat us. Jesus himself is our model for this, isn't he? When, we have be, when he was unfairly treated, what do we see? When he was beaten, when he was mocked, when he was unfairly arrested, when he was spat on, when he was led away carrying his own cross to his execution, when he was stripped naked and when he was stretched out, when he was hung up, what happened? He says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You know, the biggest battle that we face when it comes to loving our enemies is that it's something which doesn't come naturally to us. Our tendency is to want to respond to someone in kind, isn't it? If they're nice to us, we'll be nice to them. If they're nasty to us, we'll be nasty to them. And therefore, even at times, our most loving acts in life can be self-motivated. We love on the basis that we're going to be loved back. We serve on the basis that we're going to get something out of serving, even if it's just a nice, warm feeling inside for a short amount of time. Hey, we even stay connected to a church if it's meeting our needs. And the moment it doesn't, we may choose to disconnect or we may choose to walk away. But Jesus doesn't merely stop at loving our enemies. He says... If you want to be a true disciple, it has to go further than that. If you want to really follow me, if you want to really experience the freedom that I'm talking about, there's still more to come. And he goes on to say, if you want to be a true disciple, you also need to refrain from retaliation. Remember, the Old Testament set this high standard, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, no more. What it did, it was it limited a penalty to a fair penalty. But Jesus comes along and he upgrades the law. He sets this new standard of living. And we read these words in Luke chapter 6, verses 29 to 30. To him who strikes you on one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you. And from him who takes away your goods, do not ask for them back. And then he qualifies this statement by giving us a piece of scripture which is often known as the golden rule. And he says, just as you want men to do to you, do also to them likewise. What are we to do when people hate us? What are we to do when people mistreat us and revile us? Jesus says it quite plainly. Do to them as you would like people to do to you. But Jesus doesn't stop there either. And the final element of this passage I want to touch on this morning points to the fact that if we're to be a true disciple of Christ, not only we're to love our enemies and show God's love in a practical way, to bless those who curse us, to pray for those who mistreat us, to avoid retaliation, we're also to avoid a judgmental spirit. 
in the midst of it as well. Verses 37 to 38 say this, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For what the measure you use, it will be measured to you. You know, this is probably one of the most misinterpreted pieces of scripture that there is. We live in this postmodern society, don't we, where tolerance is the highest aim. And we use verses like this to justify our behavior or the behavior of others to say it's okay. When we're behaving in a way which is not necessarily honoring to God and someone picks us up on it, it's these kind of verses we turn to and say, hey, you shouldn't be judging me. The Bible says, don't judge. But that's not what Jesus is really getting at here. Jesus is condemning a judgmental spirit within us, the kind of judgmentalism which puts other people down in order to make ourselves feel better about our own inadequacies. We see it all the time, don't we? We see it as a society so much more at the moment, this kind of judgmentalness in life. I mean, be honest for a second. Have you, I wonder, been for a walk in the park during lockdown and you've seen a group of people together and you say to yourself, well, they don't look like they're from the same household. Or you've been scrolling through social media and you've seen friends' posts come up and you see a picture of them in a different place and you think to yourself, well, that doesn't look local to where they live. We find ourselves being more and more judgmental at the moment, don't we? Because when we're judgmental, it makes ourselves feel better about our own inadequacies. We think, I'm not doing too bad because look at them. They're living in a horrendous way, so I can carry on just being the person that I'm being. But what Jesus is getting at here, I believe, is don't worry about the actions of others. Don't get hung up about the actions of others. There is a just judge who will deal accordingly with everyone. Rather, worry about your own state before a holy and awesome God and make sure you are in a right relationship with him. And that leaves me to ask the question this morning, how is your relationship with Christ? You may try to measure yourself against other people and think, well, I'm not as bad as that person. But the truth is, the Bible tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and we all need a saviour. You know, we're talking about loving our enemies and talking about the fact that people may have mistreated us and hurt us, but the truth is, we've probably done the same to others as well. You know, we look at people's lives and we think, they're living in a really bad way, but the reality is, The Bible says that we have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we need a saviour today. Do you know him for yourself? So with all of that in mind today, how are we meant to treat our enemies? How are we meant to treat those who have hurt us, those who have mistreated us, those who have just been really, really nasty to us? We're called to love them as Jesus loves them. We're called to do good towards them. We're called to pray for them. We're called to forgive them. And we're called to leave the ultimate judgment for God. That's easy for you to say, Luke. But you have no idea what I have been through. You have no idea how I have been mistreated and how I have been hurt and how I have been abused by people. It's all well quoting scripture this morning, but I just can't forgive for what I've been through. You know what? If that's you today, 
you're absolutely right. I don't know what you've been through. For some watching this, they have suffered in the recent past or the distant past in ways that I could never, ever imagine. And the truth is today, you can't forgive. You don't have the capacity within you to show an agape kind of love, an unconditional kind of love to those who have hurt you. You don't have the capacity today to lay things at the foot of the cross and to forgive in the way that Jesus calls us to. But do you see the pattern which is emerging from the scripture and actually the scriptures that we have looked at over the past few weeks together? We need the Holy Spirit to empower us. Just as he empowered Jesus, just as he led Jesus, we need him to empower us to live the way that he calls us to live. You see, learning to love our enemies is the way to true freedom. It's the way that we can begin to let go of the past and move forward into everything that God wants of us, but we simply can't do it on our own. Let me ask you right now, is there someone in your life at this present point who you are struggling with? Is there someone in your life at this present point that you just don't know how to deal with? This morning, the exhortation is simply to give them to Jesus. Because holding on to the hurt that you have only imprisons you. Ask him today to help you respond. Ask him today to empower you, to show that agape love. Not so that you might get something in return, but that you might be molded today and shaped more like Jesus. I believe that there are some watching this right now who are with us, that God is beginning to lay people on your heart even now that he wants you today to reach out to, to begin to build bridges. Don't fight that. Don't say, I can't do that, God. It's too hard. Don't resist it. But this morning, ask God to give you the power to be able to take the step of obedience. It's hard. But to bring things back to where we started, I'm going to invite the band to come back up. And I'm going to read the words of Corrie Tamboon once more. I discovered that it's not on our forgiveness any more than on our goodness that the world's healing hinges, but on his. When he tells us to love our enemies, he gives along with that command the love itself. Let me pray. And then we're going to respond in song. And I'd really love to pray for some people today. I don't need to know the situations and the people that have hurt you. But I want to encourage you, if you're watching this today and you are carrying around deep-rooted hurt, deep-rooted anger, deep-rooted unforgiveness, that you know is eating you up inside, I want to ask you to do a brave thing. And just to write in the chat on Facebook or YouTube, please pray for me. You don't have to explain anything else. And we'll pray for you this morning. Do you know, part of being the church is being vulnerable with one another. We haven't got to put on a Sunday best. We haven't got to put on a fake and contrived smile. 
But when we're real with one another, the Bible tells us as iron sharpens iron, we sharpen each other. We help one another towards the freedom that only he can give. Let me pray. Father God, in many ways today, we can all identify with the teachings of Jesus here. In many ways today, there will be people that we're all struggling with right now that have hurt us, that have mistreated us, that we just don't know how to deal with. And Holy Spirit, today, may you start a work of freedom in our lives. May you be speaking to people today. Lord, may the tears flow at home, the tears of healing, Lord God. Will Holy Spirit, you draw close to people today. May this be day one of walking in a freedom that only you can give. Help us realize we might have to continually come back to this point and make a conscious choice and a conscious decision to forgive and to love. This is not a one-time action. But Holy Spirit, will you empower us today to that higher standard of living, to truly be your disciples and show a world in need how much you love them. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you forgave us, that whilst we were still your enemy, you died for us. Help us to walk in that faithful God. In Jesus' name, amen.